0: I was diagnosed at Red Cross Hospital with a chronic rare illness called cystinosis. Now, what systenosis is, it's a rare illness that attacks every single organ in the body, but mainly the kidneys. So from my bone structure, my eyesight, my heart, my liver, every single organ is like attacked by this, by this illness. And how it happens is with this illness, there's a lack of a certain amino acid. And because mm-hmm. of that, crystals are developed. So imagine little tiny diamonds as we know, diamonds and salt, if you get it into a wound, it can be quite sharp. So imagine little tiny diamonds in my
1: body. Welcome to the Coached Success Podcast. This show focuses on what it truly takes to pursue a life of excellence. Each week, I speak to a guest who has come from humble beginnings but refuses to settle for less than a life where they are pursuing their best. We speak about mindset, overcoming adversity, and the importance of resilience. This is Carl Daniels. I hope that you enjoy the show. On today's episode, I speak to Tari Kenny, a young man, despite living with a rare chronic disease that attacks all of his organs, is pursuing a life of excellence. On this episode, Tariq shares what it is like knowing that today might be your last, but still giving you all to chase your dreams. Stay tuned. This is an episode not to be missed. So today on the call, we have Tariq. Tariq Kenny. Tariq, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, and yourself? I'm excellent. I'm excellent. Um, Tariq, thanks for joining us on the call. Um, I know that it is the second time that we're doing the recording. The first time we had some technical issues. Um, but yeah, hopefully this time it will be amazing.
0: Yeah, so- man. I, I completely understand those technical issues, like the struggle of my life. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not the problem at all. Okay. So, Tariq, do you want to tell us who is
1: Tariq Kenny?
0: Yeah. So, Tariq Kenny is like many people. Um, I don't think Anybody is just one thing. So, me, myself, I identify as many things. Um, firstly, I'm a lover of God. You know, I've accepted that I wouldn't have come this far in my life with, without Him. Um, I'm a very ambitious and determined young person. Um, I'm a dreamer. I'm goal driven, someone that's very people orientated I love communicating and meeting new people, such as yourself, learning about people's stories. Um, and building a wide network. And I'm someone that really, you know, family is very close to my heart, especially my immediate family. Um, yeah, and then that as well as discovering who I still am, because I think every single day as we go about life, we still learn a bit more about ourselves. We never completely know who we are. There are certain things um, that we used to be, um, certain personality traits that we no longer need as we get older mm-hmm. and there's certain new personality traits that we kind of pick up.
1: Yes, I completely agree. Um, Very comprehensive introduction like you did there. And I think that is important for people to also be aware that um, the final thing you mentioned there, the fact of, you know, we are constantly changing. None of us are static. So we need to embrace change and realize that, you know, what am I growing towards? What do I need to unlearn? So that's really powerful. Thanks for pointing that out. And then um, you mentioned a couple of cool things as well. Um, The fact that you are a child of God um, and that you were family family person. Do you want to tell us a bit about your struggles? I know that there are some challenges that you've been dealing with. Do you want to speak a bit about that?
0: Sure. Um, so the very first one that kind of started everything in my life is um, at the age of three, I was diagnosed with a chronic rare illness called cystinosis. Mm-hmm. I was actually born with the illness, but um, they only picked it up. Well, my mother picked up certain symptoms as I was, you know, starting to develop as a, as a baby. Um, But at the hospital, they had no idea what it was. Like I said, it's a chronic illness, very rare. It's only 20 in South Africa with it. So we went to the clinic. They treated me with TB because they thought that I had TB, which I never had. And just before I turned three years old, um, I was diagnosed at Red Cross Hospital with a chronic illness called cystinosis. Now what cystinosis is, it's a rare illness that attacks every single organ in the body, but mainly the kidneys. So from my bone structure, my eyesight, my heart, my liver, every single organ is like attacked by this, by this illness. And how it happens is with this illness, there's a lack of a certain amino acid. And because Mm -hmm. of that, crystals are developed. So imagine little tiny diamonds, as we know, diamonds and salt, if you get it into a wound, it can be quite sharp. So imagine little tiny diamonds in my body and it's kind of going out and attacking all of my organs, even in the cornea of my eyes. So when I go outside in the sunlight, hits me in the eyes. Imagine if you shine a light or the sun hits a cracked glass, the rays will just distribute like crazy. So when I go out in the light and the sunlight hits me, it feels like I just got stabbed in the eye. Um, and with that, obviously, with it mostly attacking my illness, it led to me um, going into kidney failure. And at the age of, I think I was 14, yeah, 2015, I was 14 years old, I received a kidney transplant. Sorry, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I received a kidney transplant, and then um, yeah, and then after that, my life kind of changed around after the kidney transplant. Uh, just kind of getting back on my feet again, trying to get fit. Um, yeah, but with that, obviously, with the recovery process, there is there's certain other challenges that life has. But I think the the start of it and the the main core of it is
1: the start of the stenosis leading into the transplant. Okay. Um, and obviously, like I can just imagine how difficult it must be, like you said, um, first of all, first of all, knowing that you do have this illness, but also it's a very rare condition that um, might not be very well known. Um, so I can just imagine living with that and I you say for the rest of your life. So and just, just the way you explain the fact of having the crystals, um, I can just imagine how much pain you experience um going through that and then you said at the age of 14 you had a kidney transplant tell us a bit about that because 14 years old is very young to have a kidney transplant and um <laughs> i know that you know um looking for a donor is something that can be very challenging um, speak to us a bit about your process and going through a kidney transplant
0: sure so yeah so as i was in primary school um doctors started picking up that my kidneys were were working um at a, at a lower rate, I should have. They were becoming weaker. When I was in grade eight, I, my kidneys were working at 11% and I started becoming very anemic, got very tired. Sometimes I couldn't complete a full day of school. I had to often be sent home. I had to miss out on a lot of schoolwork. Um, and the doctors had told my family that time is coming now. Time's getting nearer. We need to now start getting, getting the ball the roll so that I can get my kidney transplant. Um, I had my, my mother got tested, my brother got tested, and my sister got tested. Um, but they, they weren't a match. And the only person that was a match of my immediate family was my father. And, you know, we, my father was, as I said last time, my father was an alcoholic. And we just thought for someone, as we know, alcohol can damage organs. And we thought for someone that's an alcoholic, how is it going to be me getting his organ? Is it like, is it going to work for a few years? And then maybe later, like three years time, then the organ just starts to deteriorate and that. Um, And we chose rather to keep on searching, and by the grace of God, we got uh, the dog kidney. But how it started, um, like I said, last time I'm someone that loves dancing, so it was on my brother's birthday. Can I remember my brother's birthday now? Oh, 16th of January, 2015. My brother's birthday was Friday evening, at around about 11 p.m., and I was watching Step Up 3. Um, And earlier that week, I had hospital appointment, and on the Friday, I was watching Step Up 3. And as I'm watching Step Up 3, they're at the final battle, and I'm getting hyped up versus the final battle, um, and they're about to win, not knowing that here's the battle that I'm about to just win right now, the battle of life, the second chance. And I hear my mom speaking to somebody in the next room, and I hear she's saying, yes, doctor, yes, she's doing good, blah, blah, blah. And then out of the blue, I just hear, oh, my word, and somebody bursts out crying. And I'm someone, like I said, I'm very family-orientated, so I thought, why is my mom crying? So I flew out, went to the next room, asked, why are you crying? What's wrong? said god is good and i'm like yeah i know it's good (laughs) but why are you crying what's happening and then she said my son there's a kidney for you and then immediately we had to go because they can only keep the organ like there for a certain period of time so we had to rush go to the hospital do all the tests um next morning i was going into theater my brother was there my mother was there and i could see that they were a bit worried and i'm someone that loves acting as well so (laughs) as they were there. I was looking at, at, the, at the bright side of things, and I was excited. I'm going to come up to this positive. I know that the operation is a 100 percent guaranteed anything can go wrong. Um, but I looked at them and I said, hey, I'll be back." <laughs> and then I was actually back. Um, but like I said, there are certain things that, that went wrong. My um, the, the operation did last a bit longer, as I lost a lot of blood during the operation. I had to receive um, I had to receive blood. As the operation was getting on, but yeah, like I said, by the grace of God, I made it out of that operation. Went to ICU, um, I had to go through a recovery process, kind of physiotherapy, learning how to walk again, um, getting adjusted to this new medication, and then with with a a foreign thing in your body, your body's obviously gonna, your immune system's gonna fight that thing. So I had to stay home. Everything had to be clean because I could pick up a germ really quick, and that could be damaging for the organ. So I had to be at home, be isolated from school. And I must start on school again for a whole other term. Um, but yeah, eventually I got back to school. Kind of like we're doing right now in this COVID thing. I had to get back to school and wear face mask for a whole year. And I had to always sanitize. Um, but eventually, you know, like I said, it's a healing process. So after that year, kind of the healing process, kind of could take the mask off now. Still had to be very cautious. But I could kind of get fit again, start I could feel that I was having more energy and that, and that's kind of the start of how my life changed. And how I got to where I am now, being this person that's so energetic, so enthusiastic.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to hear that, obviously, um, that everything went well and it gave you a new lease on life. Um, Because I can just imagine as somebody 13, 14 year old, having to go through a procedure like that and having to deal with all the unknowns, Um, the fact that you need to get home, you can't go to school, walking around with a face mask and even in this time when we are in COVID it's difficult to walk around with a face mask but now yeah. imagine walking around with a face mask face masks like Africa at that time there must have been lots of like you know people looking at you thinking what's wrong with you <laughs> so I can just imagine that as well having to deal with that yeah. um, outside pressure in a sense um, yeah because people people look at you like because I know I think Ebola was a big thing around that time
0: uh, when people's, like, looking at your school, like, this, does this kid have TB? Does this kid have Ebola? Oh, my gosh. Well, why is he wearing it? And I'm like, nah, I'm not wearing it to protect you from me. I'm wearing it so I can protect me from you because, you know, it's, like, flu season. I'm coming back to school. It's winter now. So there was definitely a lot of eyes. Um, and I gained a lot of weight as well. So people were like, is this a new kid coming to school? Is this the same skinny guy that was here last year? Mm-hmm. So it was a lot to adjust to for myself and a lot of people around me, my friends, you know, Friends that want to come and hug you can't accept really any hugs. Usually at school, you're like, hey, my bro, you want some chips? Um, you want to share the sweets? And I'm like, nah, sorry, I can't touch your food right now. Can't give you my food. You can't have a sip of water. It was a lot of things to get used to.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. And like you said, also the fact that that are just like, you know, the things that you needed to avoid, right? Um, but obviously that also had a negative impact on your entire experience of schooling, right? It had an effect on your psychological health um like you also mentioned the physical health speak to me a bit about the psychological element of it and how the lows at least and how you dealt with that because um, whenever we face with a new a new chapter something that's unknown um and that you know is frowned upon like having to be the only one as an outcast seeing yourself as an outcast can be very difficult and challenging how did you deal with that
0: hmm. so um i wouldn't say so much after the There was a huge mental challenge, Um, reason being just to backtrack a bit. I think I kind of dealt with it a bit in primary school with uh, the words of my mother. Um, So because in high school now, I was obviously getting older, but more mature, and I was kind of understanding my circumstances a bit better. But being younger in primary school, and like I said, with the fragile bones and the energy that I wasn't able to participate in sports at school, couldn't really run around with the kids. Kids want to play wild me, and the other ones like, "No, you're gonna hurt him. You're gonna break his bones, and he's gonna die on the floor." And you know, and you're kind of sitting at home, and you hear the kids playing soccer in the street, and you can't really go out because you could get hurt. And having to take this medication and having to go to the hospital every month—something that you don't understand. And I was thinking, what is wrong with me? There were some people at primary school that asked me, "Am I alien?" I don't know what the hell. <laughs> um. So yeah, I used to think, is it something? Is it my fault? Is there something wrong with me? And obviously it's a challenge for my family as well, because they need to now deal with this. They need to help me. But then I think I was about grade seven, grade six, and I heard my mom say, instead of saying, why me, say, why not me? And I thought about that, because she said, God won't give his toughest battles to his weaker soldiers. He's going to give his toughest battles to his stronger soldiers. And as I started getting into, into high school in grade eight, despite being anemic and sick and having to leave school because now my kidneys are deteriorating. There was a lot of people that looked up to me. They were like, Yo, you just passed this test, but you didn't come to school this whole week. You got more than me. And they're like, wow, man, you, you, just, you took that medication, You got sick, but you could come back. And I was like, whoa, people's actually like looking up to me. Now people's thinking that I'm really strong, even though physically I feel weak. And then that, that idea just started to unravel more in my mind as I started high school. And I was like, wow, if me being weak, can allow other people to be strong, then certainly God has some sort of plan for me. So yeah, there was mental challenges after receiving the transplant, but I think it's basically just the challenge of having to adapt to certain things. But there wasn't a challenge of like, yo, why me? Why do I have to have this Mm kidney now? Because I kind of, I wouldn't say I knew my purpose, but I kind of already knew that, you know, God is giving me this so that I can become stronger, so that I can encourage other people and even though there were people that were would kind of verbally bully me and that, it kinda of didn't really distract me because I knew that there was always people that looked up to me. There was people mm-hmm. that were struggling and they thought, yes, this kid stayed out of school for how long? He just gained a bunch of weight now. He has to take medication, he has to wear a face mask, but he's still getting more marks than me. And all that I have really is um, I just maybe have a flu, and yeah, I'm complaining. So when I saw that, it's it's the kind of that whole transformation. So basically, the illness in a nutshell, the illness and the and the transplant allowed me to to really see that God has a purpose for me. In in your pain, there's always a purpose, and you'll discover it as you as you go upon life's journey and you kind of just work through and develop it. Yeah. So I think that's how I overcome it, just realizing that he wouldn't have chosen me for nothing. You're not gonna go if you were boss. And you have a really important task. You're not going to give your important task to the employee that just started now, unless you really trust him. You're going to give it to your employee that you know will be able to execute the task to the best of his ability and will be able to get results. And I think that's kind of what God did to me. So I was born and said, you're going to be the guy
1: that's going to execute and do this thing. So I'm giving
0: this burden to you because I know you'll be able to
1: overcome it. Awesome, 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 Dariq. And you made some reference there to the fact that there was obviously like the verbal bullying and there was the painful times and things. Um, but because you were clear on your purpose, you knew that you is a greater purpose to this pain that's able to actually handle that. You actually help you um, handle the pain. Right. And that is something that anybody can do with it at right now is that, you know, life, every, everybody living will experience pain. Right. As part of our human experience. Uh, pain being different in different forms it can be emotional pain, um, um, physical pain, like, psychological pain traumas but all of us will experience pain that is guaranteed now what is really important for us to realize is that if we are able to understand or have a clear purpose right the pain we go through it it won't be as big it won't be such a big burden because we will understand that you know every every obstacle every hurdle every fall along our journey is simply preparing us and refining us to really fulfill this purpose and um, it's a great perspective to have and I wish many people out there can also have this perspective where they can just look at, you know what, this is where I want to go, this is my purpose in this episode, in this planet or on this planet and having to deal with this pain is just part of me or what's making me a better leader, you understand, a bit better able to serve, more compassionate. There's so many things that pain is teaching us but sometimes we are so afraid of pain, trying to run away from it. So hmm. I, I really just want to point out that.
0: Just to add on that, what also helped me when you said like certain people see this plane, but they're not seeing that there's a greater thing. I think it's because many people don't dream of a greater thing. When you were a child, you still have this, this innocent mindset. You don't really know what the world has to offer. And like I said earlier, I was a dreamer. So when I was young, I used to dream of like crazy things. I used to dream of going into space. I still want to go to space. Um, I used to dream of going into space, having this car. You know, I used to dream of turning into a super saiyan. I used to have imaginary friends with me. I used to dream of a business and all that. And I think because I had that ability to dream at a young age and had such an overactive imagination, that as I grew older, when my illness really started to affect me, I think that's another thing because I knew that this dream was in my mind for a reason. So this pain has to be here for a reason as well, to make me stronger so that, I can able, so that I'll be able to get to that thing. It's like if you're watching Dragon Ball Z, like vegeta wanted to become a super saiyan but goku was already a super saiyan and vegeta thought how could he do this so he went to go and lift his weights, and going to go and train like crazy because he knew once he could overcome it and he could lift his weights eventually there will be a transformation within him so it was kind of with me like knowing that i have this illness but once able to deal with it acknowledge it overcome it it will birth out something greater in me but einstein said that imagination is everything it's the key to life's coming attractions. Everything around us has been imagined. So when you imagine something, it's actually the key to life's coming attraction. It's what God has attracted in your life. Every dream that you have, this dream, this continuous dream of you starting a business or something, it's not just there by accident. It's God showing you the plan that he has for you and all that you have to do is just fulfill your purpose and take it day by day and try to learn a new skill, try to develop yourself, overcome your obstacles. And eventually it will be like... um. Uh, what's that? A leprechaun getting his gold at the end of the rainbow. Eventually, mm-hmm. you'll go and get your gold at the end of the rainbow that God has set out there for you.
1: I like it. I like it. And you also mentioned there earlier about, you know, um, obviously sometimes being an outcast. Um, speak to me a bit about that, you know. How do you think you're out, being an outcast? Because obviously, um, having been dealing with this challenge, like this illness for your life, throughout your life, there are many times where you couldn't be with the crowd or do what the crowd is doing. Tell me, how do you think this has benefited you? Hmm. I think I think
0: how being an outcast, I wouldn't say I was an outcast all the time, but there was definitely a lot of times when I was excluded from activities, you know, and I'm, and I'm kind of alone. But I think how it has benefited me, especially now, being in COVID, being alone at home, um There's so many people that's like, yo. I need to get outside. I need to be with friends. I need to go on a date. I need to do that. And they kind of get distracted from getting on on track and kind of trying to fulfill their purpose. So I think for me, already at times, you know, not being included into certain parties, not being included into certain activities, people not always wanting to be around you because they look at you as weird or something like that. I think it's kind of helped me because I'm used to, you know, kind of enjoying my own company. I'm used to sitting by myself teaching myself, trying to develop myself so that I can achieve what I want to achieve. So I think in being an outcast at certain times um, has definitely made me a strong individual because it has allowed me, I mean, I'm studying right now through UNISA, it's my second year. um, And there's so many people that's not able to study by themselves. But yeah, I'm able to study by myself. I'm achieving great marks marks because I have already been so, so adapted to not being distracted by other people not one, not feeling compelled to go out to parties. I'm, I'm okay with my own company. I love I love being around friends, but I also love being by myself because it's when I'm by myself that I can truly develop and become the person that I was meant to be.
1: Awesome, really awesome, awesome. And what people don't realize is that obviously being in an outcast is challenging, right? When you can't do the things that other people are doing, whether it was only a couple of times or a lot of times, um, but what we don't realize is that difficulty once again, that pain, right? Can give purpose, or, or give birth to a greater purpose, um, or simply refining you. Like you said, right now, you're at a place where you're content with being alone, being alone with yourself, being uh, being able to actually complete the work that you need to do, the task that you assign to yourself. So that's amazing. Also, um, you need to be able to be alone in order for you really to craft your vision, right? Yes, you need to employ yes. people into your vision, but the alone time is necessary. So we can just see this as, you know, God putting you, forcing you in uh, to be alone at an earlier age so you can really be starting to develop that that time where you're okay with being alone so that alone time is not seen as a burden but it's seen as value this is where you're actually going to creation mode okay mm. so i like that then speak to us a bit about the life expectancy of your um, illness
0: yeah so that was um you know just going back to the first question we said speaking about mental challenges let mm-hmm. we um, just remind me of something that was, I think, the greatest mental challenge that I've had. Um, Hearing that, my mother said that the doctor said that it's not a huge life expectancy. And like I said, I'm a dreamer. I want to fulfill my dreams. Mm -hmm. And there used to be a bit more than 20 in South Africa of us. And every single year, we were losing one. Thank goodness we haven't lost any now in the past two years. But every single year, there was a pattern of us losing one. And I'm like, what? I just saw this person a few months ago. You know, it's like a brother, like a sister to me. And there's this question that pops up in your mind thinking, well, am I next? Am I going to be taken now when I'm dreaming and I have this this whole life set that that I planned out for myself, There's goals that I want to achieve? So it's been a fear that has been a lot in my mind. Um, And, you know, I think it's kind of steered me a path in a way because it kind of got me into a place where I was feeling depressed. You know, feeling there was a time when I thought, is it should I really be pushing this hard in school? Should I really want to develop myself? Because what what happens if I'm putting all this effort in and next year I'm gone? But then I kind of just came to the realization that every single day is a blessing. Especially I think last year I heard a video from Steve Harvey, and he said, If God wakes you up, he's not done with you. You know, he still has something for you. So I think every single day is a blessing. Knowing that God is not going to, he's not done with me yet. So every single day, I still need to go out in some way, whether it's listening to your podcast, listening to a video of Steve Harvey, in some way, I need to go out and fulfill my purpose. And when my time comes, even if it's before me reaching my goals, when my time comes, that, you know, my time is done on this planet, at least I can rest in peace, knowing to myself that I'll live life to the fullest. I didn't take the gift of life for granted at all.
1: I like that answer once again. And, you know, sometimes we, we so focus on the goal, like you said, um, that we forget that ultimately it's not about the goal, right? It's about the, the <laughs> process of going towards a goal or striving for a goal. And that's very important, <laughs> right? Because like you said, yes, um, you have a low life expectancy, right? Um, but we all ultimately have a low life life expectancy. Life is such yeah. a short ride. Um, many of us don't have to acknowledge it. Uh, we know we're all going to die sometime, but we're not truly... We're not really living like people who are going to die, whose Mm -hmm. time is limited. And like you said, Steve Harvey said, when you wake up the next day, it's a gift because God has not done with it yet. And that is really important for us to know that we can, every single day, through our actions, right, we are fulfilling our purpose. Through our actions Mm -hmm. on a daily basis, fulfilling our purpose. Yes, you might have this grand vision of one day standing on a stage or accomplishing this goal, and that is your purpose, right? But ultimately, it's also what you're doing through your day-to-day life, right? Or in your day-to-day life, because you can be a role model and an inspiration for so many out there who are sitting back just being passive passengers um, in their life, of their life, right? They're not taking the driver's seat. They're not sitting there actively saying, you know what? I want to steer this in the direction where I want to go. But here you are saying, I'm not even sure it'll be a month from now, (laughs) six months from now, a year from now, but I'm living every single day to the fullest. I'm, give, I'm willing to give everything that I have, right, for these goals that I have, this vision that I have. And that is admirable because it makes other people out there realize that, you know what, why am I not giving all, you understand, when this guy, when you have so many challenges, hurdles, and things that you can basically sit back and say, you know what, I don't have to, I can just, I can smooth sail through this. But ultimately, the fact that you're Showing that level of resilience that you are standing up, that you are rising up and saying, you know what? This doesn't defeat me, right? This is not breaking me. I know where I want to go. I have a vision and I'm going for that. And that alone, right, is power. And it forms part of your purpose. Because through that, you are, basically, you are basically making other people realize that they have more within them. Yeah. What are your thoughts about that, Tariq? I know there's yeah, a mouthful.
0: 100% you know. We get we get so focused on the on the end goal and that's why i lost earlier because in 2019 um my my dad kind of started falling ill and you know um i'm the i'm the light lamakee so my mother is getting to an age also where she doesn't have as much energy as as she used to and my siblings no longer love with us so i kind of took it upon myself after school like yo i need to try to get a job or something i need to try to reach my goal soon i need to try to do something and it causes this anxiety and depression that you lose focus of what's actually right in front of you. That's why I was laughing because we're so focused on the end goal that it kind of takes our mind of what we have to do in order to reach that end goal. And I, saw, I heard something the other day that's saying, you know, success is not just the end goal. Success is the journey because once you get to the end goal, what are you going to do now? Unless you're someone that's, that's constantly changing, constantly evolving, and you're at that goal, and you're like, okay, it's time for this. But once you get to the end goal, and you are content, and you get to the end goal at the age of 25, and you're content, and you've reached your millions that you wanted, what what's next for you? What are you going to do? Are you just going to sit there and, and waste away? So we need to truly look. We need to celebrate every single milestone that we have and find success in our journey Um our end goal and once you get to that end goal what are you going to do are you going to stay on that mountain or are you going to summit that mountain and climb another mountain and after that mountain see what else is there
1: for you exactly and like you said try to measure success uh, based on your day as opposed to you know what we try to do we say that this endpoint this milestone is going to bring me success um and it's good to have that vision like you said you know what is something i'm working towards we all need that we all need something that gets us up in the morning and moves us towards and we're working towards, right, in the future. Um, But ultimately, it's this moment right now. And we all have this moment right now where we can say, you know what, how hard am I giving, right? How hard am I loving, understand? How hard am I contributing? How much am I ensuring that other people are seeing me as inspiration and I'm pulling other people up out of their slumber, right? Out of their depressions, out of their states of anxiety and showing them what's truly possible. So it's through our actions, right? We are striving for the goal, but our actions is ultimately our purpose, right? And so wow. are we fulfilling our purpose. So it's great for us to also know that, that, you know, wherever we are today, right? Let's all look at how can we be more intentional and purposeful throughout our day so that even though we are working towards that goals, um, that vision in the future, um, right now, right this moment, how are you ensuring that you are be more purposeful right that you're impacting other people because life is not so simply about achieving because we, we can easily you know get deluded by i have especially because we, like I you said you're a dreamer right i'm a dreamer as well we can easily get deluded by all these dreams and things that i just want this and want that and it's good to have that right but like i said at the end of the day um it's, that is for us right the goals is for us but what you are doing along the journey to achieving the goals is more important because then it becomes about how can you be impacting other people, right? Where that is, people are looking at you and saying, wow, this guy, yes, he faced so many hurdles, yet he gets up every day. He does what he needs to do to go for his, his next level and the next level and the next level. So I like that. And then, um, you mentioned also the fact that, you know, there is a low expectancy life expectancy and you dealt with obviously a little depression about that. And sometimes you became anxious, um, Speak to me a bit about that.
0: Well, the impression, yeah, man. Um, so, you know, growing up, I've always been, I think that's what helped, has helped me to dream. And I don't blame my family or anything because everybody, there's, there's a reason for everything. So, like I said, growing up, um, my mother had a, had a great job. Um, she used to work at the Navy. But then when I was born, she kind of had to take care of me. So she kind of had to drop her job now. Um, and my father was a painter. And then because of my illness, my mom had to go into something where she couldn't work every day she kind of went into domestic work. So obviously the finance you know, in our household, we always had something to think. I'm so thankful that I never went a single day without a plate of food. And my family knows that I love food. <laughs> so I, every single day I had a plate of food. But there was never the greatest of finance in the house. Um, I never really always wore name brand tackies, couldn't really go out to the places that I wanted to go. Um, I've you know, I've spoken to people already where they're like, yeah, but you know, you've had this opportunity to reach. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not. You know, when I was in grade seven, I lived in a shack that had holes in the ceiling and when it's raining, the rain drips and it kind of splashes me on the face. Do You know that I had to move from house to house every single time I've loved already in people's spare rooms. So it was that all that kind of drive me when I saw now, you know, my father's getting sick. He used to bring the money to the house and he was a painter um, and now he can't really work, and I know my mom's doing domestic work, but she's kind of now taking care of my father while I'm at school, so she can't really work so much, so I need to try to figure out what I'm going to do, and then I'm still young, I'm in school, there's not much that you can do, and we kind of need to get to that place where we need to tell ourselves, you know what, what you're doing right now is good enough, you know, you're taking it day by day, you are doing enough, you are exactly at the place that you are meant to be, but I do not think so, I was like, Yo, I need to I need to be like Justin Bieber now and like get a million at sixteen or a million at eighteen or something. Um, and because of that, that stress and that anxiety. I kind of just lost focus. I went blank. I kind of didn't really know what I was meant to do right now. Um, and it just put me in this in this deep slump. But eventually, I picked myself up and you know I said to myself, um, "You thinking about if you keep on thinking about uh, the future." it's kind of really going to distract you because if you keep sitting there and you just look and look, you're not moving anywhere. You need to take it a step at a time. You need to take it day by day and eventually you will get there. You're never going to get to, um, for, I mean, you're someone that, that runs a lot. You're never going to get to your destination in the morning. You just stand at home and thinking, oh, this is quite long. How far am I going to run? All you have to do is go and take it a step at a time, put the one foot in front of the other. You need to focus on what you are doing right now in this moment in order to get there where you want to be and acknowledge that there are certain stepping stones you're gonna maybe fall your shoes is, your shoelaces are maybe gonna become untied but you need to just get back up fix every certain thing and continue going yeah you,
1: you 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 pointed a lot of powerful things out there right um which i want to go into but i first i first want to speak about you know the fact of of us being able to project ourselves right to the future the past and the present all very important right but it's us being in the driver's seat again and knowing when to go into what?
0: It's like driving a car. You know, like Steve Harvey is like my role model that says, um, and, I, and I'm saying this because I just came from a driving lesson. It's like driving a car. If you're going to drive a car and you're going to continuously look in the rear view mirror, you have to look in the rear view mirror to know what's behind you, where you've come from, so that you know where you're going. And you also have to look in the front mirror so that you know where you're going, what you need to do. But if you're just going to stay at the rear view mirror, And look at the front mirror and not think about changing your gears where you are right now. The car's going to shut down, the car's going to stop and you're not going to get anywhere. So you need to kind of add that balance. You need to look where you are, um, what you've overcome, right? What has it taught you? And you need to look at where you're going, but you need to also focus on what you're doing right now so that you can get to where you want to be.
1: Awesome. I like that. I like that um, example. And then Tariq, I know the last time we spoke, um, you told me a bit about, you know, the fact that you were about 25 of you guys suffering from this um, chronic illness um, and that every year about one of them passes away. Tell me what has that done for you as an individual and how, does, how has that um, elevated you or refined you, or given you a different perspective? Mm.
0: Yeah, like, you know, Pum, like as you said, life is short. Um, and many people, when they see someone pass away, they're like, life is short. But I think for me, I already know life is short for me and I'm seeing people with the same illness as me passing away. So it's like, Oh, flip life is shorter, actually for me, if these people are passing away. Um, but I think it just, I think it just made me more grateful that Mm -hmm. God still chose me another day to live on. And, you know, if you look at me, I, people, many people look at me. Um, and if they don't hear my age and I'm 20, they think maybe that I'm 15, 12 years old, 13, And they think, ah, you know, I'm the perfect height for that age, you know, perfect body type. There's nothing wrong with me at all. And if you put me next to the other 19 that have cystinosis, the people are like, whoa, but he doesn't look like he has cystinosis because the others literally look so fragile. They are much shorter than me. Mm -hmm. Some of them can't really walk. So it's kind of just made me much more grateful for the different things that God has blessed me with. He's given me this ability now after the transplant to have this energy. You know, to go out for runs, to go out and play certain sports, to wake up and here's these guys that have to walk using crutches. Here's these guys' bones are even way more fragile than mine. So it's just given me, you know, a perspective to just continue to be grateful. I think gratitude is something very important and we need to show day by day in every single thing that we do. Like I said, be loving in shacks, um, loving in the Cape Town blocker right now. Um, living in a place like Ocean View, not having a car, not always having the finances, not always I'm so privileged that I was able to get me a pair of hands um, two years ago. I think people take for granted the things that they have and the people that they have around them and you know they kind of just complain without really knowing so you definitely need to count your blessings every single day and name them one by one and that is something that I still do today I count my blessings because I have been blessed a lot it might not look like financially I've been blessed, but I've been blessed with great opportunities. I've been blessed day to day. I've been blessed with daily experiences that people outside on the streets don't even have. You know, they don't even have that fortune of, of waking up another day to ha- go and have breakfast. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And I like the fact that you said, you know what? I just made you more grateful um, looking at the people. And even though you can sit and say, you know what, things are difficult right now. The, um, you know, carrying the weight of this illness has been difficult. But what you can still say is you can look at other people and you can be like, wow, these people have it even worse than I do. So just because of that, I can be more grateful. And that's something we all do wherever we're at right now. If you're dealing with a difficult situation, and that's why volunteering is really important, um, if you're dealing with a situation, get, out, get outside of your own life, right? Because we're sometimes so immersed in our own life, right? We're so, we're so caught up in the things that are happening to us that we don't realize that there's somebody who's dealing with an even bigger hurdle you know? And so, so, Tawarik, tell us, what is one of the biggest challenges that you've dealt with?
0: Yeah. Um, So I think, uh, you know, besides my illness and, um, you know, being diagnosed with a chronic illness, having a kidney transplant, having to adapt to my circumstances, having to adapt to the fact that I'm not like other kids. I think the biggest thing, like I've said earlier, my father was an alcoholic. um, And in 2019, he fell ill. And sadly... Last year, just before my birthday, three days before my crown birthday, I lost my father. Um, being someone that used to smoke a lot, he was diagnosed with interstitial lung disease. So it was really difficult for him to breathe, um, was difficult for him to move around the house, um, even smells, you know, it was certain I couldn't spray him in the house because he would struggle to gasp for air. And in that time, like I said, in, in pain, there's purpose in pain. Sometimes there can be beauty in pain. This lockdown that we are in, it's brought so many people closer to each other, with my father being at home because he used to be someone, I wouldn't say that he was completely absent, um, but there was many years in my life, many days, many months that I didn't have my father around because he and my mother would constantly split up with each other or due to him drinking and being out with friends, I wouldn't see him for the whole day and he would come back home and be completely drunk and put up this big performance And it would also add to all the depression and things that I was facing. But in that time of him falling ill, he wasn't able to go out and really drink. And he just, he had to stay at home, you know, he had to be on the bed. And in that, I reconciled to my father because now he's sober. And as we know, when somebody's drunk and when they're sober, it's like it's completely two different things. So in that time of him being sober, I started speaking with him much more. I started to reconcile with my father and... I could sense at the time, I didn't want to admit it, but I could sense that the time was near that he was about to leave this planet because I could see his body deteriorating. And I prayed and I said, Lord, maybe not for me, but for my mother, because he's, <coughs> he's put us through so much in a lifetime. Please bring it into my father's heart that he asked my mother for forgiveness, Lord, so that he can live in peace and that she can live in peace. And on that day that my father was on his loss, yeah, <coughs> sorry. On the day that my father was on his last, um, just before we thought he was about to give his last breath, you came back up. He took my hand and he took my mom's hand and he said, sorry. And he said, sorry, over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because in that last few months, that last few moments, that last few days of my father, he had realized the thing that he actually needed was his family. Not the friends, not the false lifestyle, not the drinking. The love that he was searching out there for the funny entertainment he was searching out there for had always been by his family but he couldn't see it because his mindset was blinded by the alcohol and he asked for forgiveness and he said and we said no don't be hard at all we completely forgive you you know you can now rest in peace we will be okay we reconciled in that sense and just something even greater to that my father, um, as you can hear my name, is historic. So people would think that I'm Muslim. And my father was that, um, but he wasn't really, you know, someone that really practices religion, didn't really go to mosque. So growing up, I chose my mother's religion because she was the one who could actually teach me the certain principles of a religion. But two weeks prior to his passing, my father gave his heart over to Jesus, you know, and we used to pray with him a lot. He gave his heart over to Jesus. So we could know that in that day of him giving his last breath, of him asking for forgiveness, we could, find, we could find healing in the fact knowing that we'll be able to meet him again. And it was so amazing how we had left because we told him, we're going to be with you here. We're going to be with you until the very end. We called people that day, uh, my siblings came, some family members came, to say their goodbyes. And 11 o'clock that night, I played my father, I Love You Daddy by Ricardo. And I laid with him and I played him that song. My mom was doing the dishes after everyone left. And my mom could see my dad was breathing really, really heavily now. And she came to come and sit by him with the chair and she held his hand. And at about quarter to 12, my dog got up and my dog started crying. Dog wanted to jump on the bed. And then we told him just to relax at 12 o'clock as my dad still breathing. Dad put his arm around my mom and he had like, he had probably no energy at all. He put his arm around my mom, put his arm around me and he pulled us into his chest. And as he continued to breathe, at about quarter past 12, he gave his last breath with a tear in his eye, which is something that not a lot of people get to experience. Not a lot of people get to have, you know, when you lose a loved one, you mostly find out, oh, we lost this person at the hospital today. This, the doctor saying this person's not going to make it. or Oh, this person was in an accident. But for us, to, to, after being through such a long, like, such a long life with my father, like I said, it was the illness, living in the shacks, it was dealing with drama at school and dealing with the part that your father's an alcoholic and you have to hear the swearing and scolding every single day when he comes back home. But now you get this beautiful thing where you reconcile the, the dream that you always had, the father figure that you always had is here. But unfortunately you have to see him in pain. So like I said, there's beauty and this purpose in pain. Cause if not for him being in that pain, he probably wouldn't have realized here's the person that he needs to become in his last few moments. Um, yeah, so we we followed it through, man. We we told him we're gonna be here with you and we were with him until his last breath. And you I know you were speaking last last time when we chatted, you spoke of yourself about losing your father. And as you know, it's a it's a daily struggle. Um it's something that I'm still dealing with. It's now lost. Yesterday it was a year and five months that he's gone. But you know, that's another thing that has motivated me because in my father's loss, he was someone that used to argue with me a lot. He used to because I'm someone that Likes a lot of things and you should tell me why can't I just stick to one thing and what do I want to do with my life? But afterwards my dad became my greatest cheerleader. So now I can go knowing that my father reconciled with us, my father loved us, my father knew that we loved him. And my father's now watching me from the greatest VIP seat ever and cheering me on. So how can I give up now when I know that my dad is believing in me? My dad is sitting next to Jesus and they are raising the flag and blowing the bubuzillas and everything. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I love that, really powerful, really, really powerful. And you know what is really painful when you lose a loved one? But like you said, there's beauty in pain. Um, And it's just for us to discover that, understanding that, you know what, ultimately life is short, right? As I mentioned earlier, you understand it's a short, ride, It's a short journey. We think 100 years is a long time, uh, which, I mean, many people don't even make it to 100 years. It's not a long time. And just understanding that this life, everything that we have right now, right? It's all impermanent, all impermanent. And we all need to start, you know, becoming more aware of that, that every single day is ticking away. It's one day gone. How have you fulfilled your mission? How have you fulfilled your purpose? How have you taken a step towards becoming the best version of you, the highest self? What impact are you making in the lives of others? That's things and questions that should be in your mind every single day so that you can ensure that, you know, the next day I'm getting up and I'm trying to fulfill that and live each and every day to the fullest. Because nobody's perfect, right? But we all need to say, how can I ensure that my time on this planet right, is lived to the fullest? And not selfishly, but in, in a form of service where I'm making sure that even though I'm going for my goals, which might be selfish, I'm ensuring that each and every single day I'm contributing, I'm impacting, I'm inspiring. I'm speaking, I'm speaking truth into people. I'm speaking power into people's lives. I'm trying to motivate them, I'm trying to uplift them. Those are the key key qualities, key characteristics of truly living fully. So Tariq, I really want to just say once again, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your journey with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your yeah, journey yeah. with us. <laughs> and sharing your journey with us and you know, um, telling us a bit about the challenges that you faced and um, living with a, a rare condition and still having, and still being optimistic and still seeing every single day as a blessing and still trying to inspire others. Thank you for being you, Dory.
0: Thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I just want to add also, thanks also for you for everything that you've done with the podcast while I'm studying, Um, while I'm striving for perfection of my goals, you know, to be in the media and entertainment industry one day and to be an entrepreneur, listening to the guests that you have on your show has helped me out so much as I'm starting listening To certain new ways that I can go and, you know, go about certain challenges or just learning new
1: mindset that's really helped me as well on my journey. So thank you so much. You're welcome, Tariq. Thank you for tuning in. Please share this episode with anyone looking to maximize their life, as this will help us to continue growing the coached success community. In addition, Connect with me on Instagram or Facebook and tell me what you enjoyed most about today's show. Links to Facebook and Instagram are in the episode description. I look forward to hearing from you. Until next week, stay winning.